like that about your sister, Paige? Holds up your hand, eh? <laughs> ah, praise God. God is good. Amen. Oh, there was a uh, quote on somewhere the other day. I don't know where I got it, but, um, and I love it. I mean, it's, it's only short, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it says it all. If God is all you have, you have all you need. <laughs> Isn't that so true? If that's all you got, you got everything you need, and that really is true. Praise God. So this morning, you got a, um, a little bit rusty this morning because I haven't preached for a whole year. See, I haven't preached since last year. It's a long time between drinks for a preacher. So I was just wondering if any of you remembered my last message, which was preached two weeks ago last year. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> I, uh, I gotta say, if you haven't, um, well, I don't know actually if I can say this or not. Was last week's message podcast, Greg? It will be, so when it is, you need to get it if you weren't here because uh, Stacey preached, it was the, one of the best beginning messages to a year I've heard in a long time. It was really, really good, so you need to get it. But my last message a couple of weeks ago, I asked you some questions that morning. Do you remember that? I think I asked you how... 2019 had been for you, etc., uh, etc. Et how was your? Uh, how did your relationship with Jesus grow uh, during that time? Uh, and I wrote down the other three because I thought I mightn't remember what I asked. They were important, but I, when you preach all the time, I don't always remember. But I said, "Do you find that I?" Had a bloke that come up to see me one time, and he said, "Oh, that remember that awesome word you spoke after me?" And I thought, "I can't even remember who you are." And it was really, it's hard, isn't it? Like you just uh, can't remember everything. And uh, but three of those questions were: um, Did you set goals for two nineteen for last year? Did you achieve those goals? And are you happy where your life is at right now? And so the reason I re-ask those or restate those this morning is this. If you were not happy then, uh, if you're not happy, I don't know that it's going to be fixed in two weeks. I mean, it could be. So I just wanted to ask you this morning what changes you have made to the way you do life since two weeks ago. Because... You know, if you want a better life, if you want a a more exciting life, a more fulfilling life, a life with with uh, lived in the purposes of God, you know, um, less worry, more peace, uh, and in God, peace and excitement can both go together, no problems at all. It's never going to happen if we don't make changes. It's rare that we can just live the same old way and expect something vibrant and new to happen, usually we need to do something. And it's not that we can do it like it depends on God, 
But it just may be that you've got to set time aside to pray. Maybe it's just that you need to be more regular at reading the Word of God. Maybe there's things you do that you just need to stop doing. Uh, you know, I worked for a man one time and um, uh, I can certainly say I'll never forget him. Um, uh, talk about an Irish temper. He had a, the wick was just minute, like it didn't take much. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you've ever heard Jalignite go off. Well, it wouldn't it, any worse than this man's temper. He was... Uh, he, he was a furious man, I've got to tell you. And uh, But one new year he said, I'm going to stop smoking. So I'm not, I'm not preaching that you if you smoke this morning, but he, he just decided he wasn't going to smoke anymore. And uh, I don't think it was uh, uh, because he actually wanted to stop smoking, but I think it was because uh, it was back in the days when some of you may remember Sir Billy McMahon. He was the treasurer. And this man was very, very, very frugal with his money. And to get a cent off him would, would just like drawing, pulling teeth like he was very... And so in the previous budget in November when they used to have it, Billy had put the price of cigarettes up. So this man said, that's it. I'm not smoking anymore. This is a, a man without God. And uh, so... It's interesting, he he smoked his last packet and he never bought any more cigarettes. So if you were going to stop, why would you go and buy more? Because I've known people that did that. I mean, they, how, how does that work? I just spent 100 bucks, whatever they are now, a packet, and I'm stopped. Throw them out, get rid of them, do something. He didn't buy any more. And I just thought, he can't do this. There's no way he's going to do this. I, I, I was quite amused. And I must say, you couldn't get anywhere safely within 100 metres of him for quite a few months. Uh, you had to keep your distance. <laughs> you really had to keep your distance. But by, you know, he, it, was, it was pretty hard watching him, but he, he got rid of him. And I just thought, if a godless man, a man who doesn't even believe in God can do that, like what can we do if we make some godly decisions and throw out trusting God, like I, I believe you're capable of doing anything, stopping anything, starting anything. Sometimes starting something is just probably harder than stopping something, you know, to do something new, whatever that may be. So I'm just challenging you with, you know, you with that this morning as I start because um, uh, I just believe God, you know, he's got great things for all of you. And, uh, and I, I want to see you really reach those things. I think uh, one of the most practical, uh, powerful and easy to understand verses in all of the Bible is found in the book of James, from which we had our year verse last year, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James chapter 1 verse 22, James says, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So if we hear the word, and I've known people, that was a great word, I'm going to change this, I'm not going to do, I'm going to, and they don't do anything, and they just drift along in same old, same old, same old. 
I don't want the same old. I want something new and fresh and vibrant in God. Amen? Believe he has good things for you. I really do. But we need to be doers of the word. I heard Brian Houston uh, preaching one time and he said, hearing the word and not doing it is like eating your tea and spitting it out and wondering why you're hungry. Well, it's pretty simple, isn't it? We need to do what? We need to make decisions and stick to them. And it can be very hard sometimes, but it can be done. Amen? Jesus came to give us what? Abundant life. And that's not just same old. Oh, every day. New things happen all the time, don't they? I got some exciting news on Thursday that I'm getting the sack off a, off a certain job I've got, which I've been praying that I would get the sack. And so it's awesome. <laughs> More time. <laughs> I think in March I'm going to get the sack. That's really good. No, it's not, not the sack. I'm just, yeah. Something that I've been doing that, um, it's become a bit difficult. So it'll be good for me. But, uh, John 1010 and really our, our church, we're life church for a reason came to give us abundant life. That's what is it? The thief came, not but to steal, kill and destroy. And we say, that's the devil. Well, in the context of John chapter 10, a thief is someone who comes in through some other means than through the door. So there are lots of thieves, but I know the devil is a thief too. Absolutely. But... Thieves come to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I came, I've come, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the Christian life is not a dull, boring life. It's vibrant, it's powerful, it's new, it has such potential every single day. To be, to be good and, and, you know, for, for it to be different, for something new, exciting to happen. That's the way I think that we should be living. Amen. So, uh, I am now going to start my message for this week. But I haven't forgotten the question. So, um, I'll keep asking you the question. What changes have you made? So uh could be anything. Maybe bring your wife flowers. I do that, Pammy, don't I? <laughs> ask Pam why I'm laughing. <laughs> Not now, ask her later. Yeah, might be better. Praise God. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray this morning? I, I just think it's exciting. I think it's going to be a great year. I just wonder what you will look back on this year and think, wow, I never thought I could do that. Never thought two years ago, one year ago, I would be where I am today. I I trust it's that sort of year for you, you know, really. Didn't think I could ever do that, whatever thing. Think, wow, now I'm doing it, praise God. can be like that, really can. Really seriously can. So, Father, we honour you today. Oh God, we just, we just praise you today. We give thanks today. Lord, we've already celebrated around the, 
breaking of bread this morning, but we just continue to honour you and just to love on you and bless you today. Thank you for every good thing that you have done in our lives. Lord, we forget all the things that we think haven't happened and et cetera, et cetera, and the things we couldn't understand. We give you thanks for every good thing that you've done for us today and simply ask you to bless this word this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So, uh, this also comes from my message a couple of weeks ago last year uh, when I shared with you uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, the Apostle Paul's uh, journey to Damascus. And uh, I won't read, uh, well, I, I guess I could read it, couldn't I, again? Uh, beginning chapter 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And if we go on and read some of Paul's other writings, other letters, uh, we know that, uh, well, this isn't, this is, uh, Luke wrote this, so if we get, read some of Paul's letters, uh, we know that Jesus actually appeared to him at that moment on the road. So he, he would have seen Jesus. He, he was alive and being a Pharisee, and, and, uh, and he, we know that he knew the Old Testament scriptures absolutely perfectly. He, he was, you know, man, they had to memorize what you and I couldn't even hope to get our heads around. I don't know how they did it. Clever men. And uh, they, they knew lots and lots and lots of stuff. And like all the others, the Jesus that came was not the Messiah he expected. This didn't seem to fit the way he saw the Old Testament scriptures. I guess he might have even heard him speak, who knows. But he appeared on the road and when he, when he heard the voice, when he saw, he was pretty shook up. It says he was shaken, didn't it? And... Uh, uh, he fell to the ground and uh, he said this. It's interesting, the question itself, who are you, Lord? So it's already dawn, like, this this is he, this is him. I have been wrong. <laughs> wow, I've been fighting, you know, wow. And so, who are you, Lord? Like, just fill me in here, I'm in a mess, I'm confused. And uh, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. In other words, it's hard for you to uh, get rid of all that Old Testament stuff you thought you understood. It was talking about me. And I know that's hard for you just at this moment, Paul. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that is just such a powerful question. And, and and I think that should be for every Christian. I don't think that should just be for the Apostle Paul. I think that should be for every Christian person. When we give our lives to Christ, it's not, well, wow, now I'm going to live it. This is going to be great. No, it's not about us anymore. It's about him. What do you want me to do? And let God take you on a on a journey that will be like none other. Seriously, 
you know, I can remember as a... Because, you know, things happen in life and, and I know if I went and spoke to you all individually today, you would agree with me. Things happen in our lives and they make no sense. You know, one thing can happen and completely change the direction of our lives. Just, you know, one thing, for good or bad. And sometimes we think for bad. Sometimes we don't know what to think, but you understand what I'm talking about this morning. I can remember as a as an 18-year-old kid, I'd grown up, uh, did lots and lots, spent probably half my life working for my uncle, and had stud jerseys, and... Uh, I love the cattle. I just I love animals. I love dogs. I Jersey cattle. I love I love uh, the Aberdeen Angus, the beef ones. I man, they're beautiful things. I just I, I could go farming very easy, and uh, and I loved them. And my I had four girl cousins, and none of them had any interest in cows or anything. Uh, I think they only had interest in boys and whatever else at the time, and. And I, I could, I just would love to have been a farmer. And my uncle said, well, we need to probably just get something sorted out here. He said, I think you could take this over well from me. And I know you love it. And so I thought that's where my life was going to be. And then my oldest cousin met a young man whose father was also a Jersey breeder and he wanted to do cattle. And I thought, oh... His daughter has now got someone who, and I thought, I can see what's going to happen here. And uh, so I kept working, but I could see I could see my uncle was in angst. I could see that he was somehow trying to find a way of telling me that unfortunately what I'd thought for a long time isn't probably going to happen. And so I jumped first and I said, look, I think I should leave. And uh, he was very, he's happy for his daughter, obviously, and his, and his new son-in-law to be, but he was quite upset in some ways, but it's all okay. And um, and I just said, what am I going to do? I, 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 you know, that's all I know is farming. And uh, so I ended up, uh, my now brother-in-law, uh, Doug Cooper phoned me and he said, uh, you're not looking for a job, are you? And I said, well, actually, I am. Oh, i got just a job for you. I've got a bloke up in Albury here looking for a bloke to drive earth moving stuff. You start on Monday. I said, oh, do I? So I never asked for the job. And, uh, uh, and I just said, why am I moving up here? I'm away from where I grew up. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I was already madly in love with Pam, so... Uh, that was closer to her. That was one good thing. Uh, but when I look back now and see how life has worked out, it was all in God's purposes. It was just all so in God's purposes. But at the time, I couldn't see it. And it's hard when you can't see it. And I just, you know, I can remember, and I did say some weeks ago when I preached, I remember when we got married as an 18-year-old little girl and a 20 or 21, whatever I was, I can't not even remember. Uh, we just prayed when we got married and we said, Lord, we will do whatever you want us to do. Getting back to the question. 
and had no idea what that could have entailed or what would work out one day, had absolutely no idea. Again, in business and doing something I loved and and Lord says, sell it all and come here. Really, like all in the purposes of God. Like, you know, so we need to trust him, don't we? And uh, But I, I think it's a great question to ask, Lord, what do you want me to do? So this morning, in the time I have left, I just want to talk of a couple of things. Well, one, maybe two. And uh, Lord, what do you want us to do? If I can phrase that that way today. And keeping in mind our... Uh, it's up there, relax, refresh, refocus. Uh, Stacy's got for uh, January, I think that's great. I just thought I would talk about rest this morning because I believe God wants us to learn, I won't say to rest, he wants us to learn rest and understand what rest is. And then I think we can do it, but we need to understand what God God's rest is. And so, uh, first of all, let's talk physical. Uh, and, you know, you can go right back to the beginning. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 uh, reads like this, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, set it apart, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. And the word there rested means, in, in Hebrew it means Shabbat, which we get Sabbath from in English. So it can be said that Jesus uh, Sabbath after he'd done all his work, but rested in English, and and uh, you look up the word; it means to repose, to desist, to desist from exertion, to cease. So you understand what that means, don't you? It means to stop. And you know, I've got to say this morning, without trying to be nasty, I work with a lot of different men over the years, and some would not have to do that because they've never done any work ever. They repose most of the time while they're at work and desist from doing anything when they're at work. You ever met anyone like that? Man, I knew one guy, he wouldn't have known how to work. He'd get there and read the paper. And then he'd read the sporting globe and work out who he was going to back and the dogs and the horses. He'd sit there all morning. And I'd be digging trenches and the other guys would be laying when we had earthenware pipes and laying them. He wouldn't do a thing, absolutely nothing. And about quarter to ten, we'd sit down and have a bit of, bit of a quick coffee, smoko, and he'd sort of stretch himself and hop up. Oh, well, I suppose I better do something. And he'd wander up the trench and every time he got up, the boss would come. He's a good guy. I've never seen him sitting down, he'd say. Oh, man, you've got to be joking. And like a Labrador dog, after the boss went, oh, I'm tired, he'd be sitting down again. <laughs> Remarkable. But that's what God is asking us to do. Like, that's what rest is. And uh, physically, I think it's good to rest. We need to rest. And I, I'm not strict about days or times, but I think it's good to rest our body. 
Work, celebrate your success, celebrate what harvest brings in, refresh, renew. It's good to do that every week, to just have some time when you're doing something different. Rest, come to church. You know, I remember like we, we do our music. We don't do a music thing during the week anymore. And, uh, we, uh, we are not so early getting going on Sunday mornings. I just sort of, these poor people, I'm slaving them to death, like, Working them like, uh, when do musos get, you know, our guys get here early as it is, but uh, we need time where we can just chill out and, you know, if there's one morning we don't have to get up so early. So, uh, we don't start before 10 and, uh, uh, you know, but uh, the, just the whole physical thing of, uh, you know, uh, I think half the time footballers are in, a lot of their injuries and whatever wear and tear things because they they have the end of the year rest for three weeks and then they start training for next year. When does the body ever get a chance just to chill out and it doesn't mean you have to lose it and and eat and put on weight and lose any of your fitness but your body just needs a break every now and again. It just needs a rest and God designed it like that. And so physical rest certainly... Jesus did the same when he came, Mark 6.31. Jesus said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Just, just, I know the people are important, but just, just you guys and me. Just let's come aside and rest. For there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. I guess the question is, do we make time to spend with Jesus? Make time to spend with our wife or husband, with our children. And I say, do we make time? Because I think if you live life and you work and you work hard, and if the sun's up before it goes down, any time in between is fit for work, I think. And so if you're working... uh, uh, you're going to have to make time. I don't know that you're just going to get time magically, that maybe that's some of the decisions you need to make to change what your life is at this point. But uh, we just need to make time sometimes to put into the lives of people that are close to us. I don't know how God rested. Do you? We don't know enough about how God rested. Um did he pull out a recliner and sit down after he had created? I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think we have an understanding of how God rested. The only thing I do know about when God rested is this, that he did not repose and desist from working and have his mind racing about what he'd been doing. Oh, I hope I've done this right. That star up there, maybe I should have put it a bit further that way. Down there, oh, the Red Sea. Israel's got to get across there one day. I think I might have made it too wide. Oh, my goodness. Mount Horeb. For old Moses, when he's eight, he's going to have to walk up there. Maybe I should have made it half the height. Oh, my goodness, I don't know. What will people think? Well, all I know, God never had any should I have or would I have or could I have or what will people think? God doesn't have that, okay? And we don't have to have it either. 
But we've got to let go of some stuff to get rid of it, but we don't have to have that either. And uh, which brings me to the kind of rest which is most important. Most important. Soul rest. Mind rest. That is so important because even in the middle of work, even in the middle of busyness, we can have rest and peace in our thinking, in our minds, that the world cannot have. It's pretty good, isn't it? But we need something we need to learn. It's something we need to uh, to get our heads around and really take hold of. It's the uh, it's the Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty rest. And Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labour and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. Uh, what's he say? For um, I'm gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my burden, yoke is, uh, yoke is easy and my burden is light. I should know that off by heart. Uh, I do, but I get lost. But you can feel the rest almost when he says it, can't you? And I will give you rest. It can be physical, but it's when you're just going and going and going in your mind. Who knows what it's like to be driving and around and around go thoughts. Who knows what it's like to try and go to sleep and around and around and your mind will not stop. God wants us to have rest, folks. God wants us to have rest. It's something we've got to learn to do. And uh, so how do you do that? Well, there's probably several things you can do to help do that. But really there's decisions we, you know, we need to make. Uh, Moses, back in Exodus chapter 33, he's got the task as an 80-year-old man or just just about that age and... Um, well, he was 80, wasn't he, when, when he started his leading of the uh, children of Israel. And uh, uh, he's got the job of leading them out of Egypt into this land that God had promised them, the land of Canaan. It was a big job, you know, and there'd already been lots and lots and lots of trouble. And poor old Moses was, I don't know if he had hair or not, but he must have been ripping it out if he did. And uh, so he said to the Lord, you say to me, Bring this people, lead this people, you know, to the land of Canaan, but you've not, not let me know who you're going to send with me. And, and, uh, yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now the way, your way, that I might know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. I want to know you, God. I want to know you better than I know you. I need you. If I've found grace in your sight, who are you going to send with me? I can't. He realized absolutely he could not do this by his own ability. He couldn't do it by himself. And we need to understand that. And we don't have to do it. There's things we've got to do, but there's things we can leave to God and not worry about. And we need to let those things go and learn to do that. Otherwise, we will always be worrying that I may know you, I love that, and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. 
what Moses is saying is the problem of all the people and their their difficulties and their rebellion and their desiring to go back to Egypt is not my problem. They're your people. You gave me the job of leading them, but they're your people. In other words, God, the problem is yours. Just show me your grace. Show me who you are. I want to know you. And what did God say? He said, my presence will go with you. My presence. By my spirit, I will be with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. So if we're going to rest, we need to understand that his presence brings rest. We need to understand that. We've got to learn to switch off. Whatever way you are best at doing that, you need to learn to do that. And uh, the Lord promised, that was a promise of God to Moses. I will give you rest. And he just had to desist. He just had to learn to trust God in that. My presence will go with you. We got the same, exactly the same promise of that. Every one of us, Matthew 28, 20, I'm with you always, even to the end. I'm always with you. I'm not going. I'll never leave you. I'm always with you. Hebrews chapter 13, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? What an incredible verse of scripture. I will never leave you, I will not forsake you. Amen? We just need to let it go, folks. I trust you. I just, uh, I'm glad anyone wasn't around because my voice has gone bad, but I, I just picked up my guitar this morning and I just started singing that old hymn. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Yeah just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Just, yeah, we've got to trust. We've got to trust, haven't we? I don't know how you are when you fly, but if you fly in airliners, you've got to trust, don't you? Usually when it's taken off, I think of all that program air crash investigations and think, oh, God, help me. <laughs> you, you just got to trust, don't you? You really do. Can I hear any loose bolts or anything? No. But we've got to learn to trust. Otherwise, you go crazy. My old dad, who we buried last year, man, he, he was freaked out with flying, wasn't he? Remember the night he got off the plane in Algreen and he's shaking and he's coming down the, and he was quite a young man. He just tried to run from Melbourne to Sydney in a race and he could have possibly won it, but he hurt his knee and, but he had this flight from Albury and he had, from Sydney to Albury and, and, because uh, he had to pull out of the race and, and I had the job of going and picking him up at the airport and, and, uh, yeah, he was, hanging over the thing and his feet were. And I said, what's wrong with you, Dad? Oh, it was horrible. 
The plane was pitching around in the sky. I thought the wings were going to break. They were bending and the thing. Oh, I'm never going again on a plane. And I saw the, I said, well, you go up in the car and I'll get your bags. And the two pilots were standing there. I said, how you going, guys? Bit of a rough flight. No. Beautiful night. Yeah. There was a few little shutters coming down through the cloud tops. No, it was almost perfect. 99% perfect. <laughs> That's their view. Dad's only got to fear a little thing because he got no trust in it. He's absolutely panicking. Heaven knows what would happen if it had to give a few rolls around. <laughs> Goodness me. We've got to learn to let go. May I finish with this? Who are you, Lord? He asked. Who are you? I, I trust you've asked that question. Who are you, Lord? And asked him into your life and accepted him. I trust that you understand that Jesus went into the prison of sin, into the devil's domain, and with his own blood, he paid for the release of anyone who will believe in him. Amen? Nothing more powerful than the shed blood of Jesus frees us from every sin. Forgives us. Man, it's so awesome. Just, yeah. There's no true rest until you find Jesus. There just isn't any true rest until you find Jesus. Oh, praise God. He's my saviour, my redeemer. The living word of God. He's the way, the truth and the life. Amen. It's rich in mercy. Unbelievable grace.